Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for March 2nd, 2023. What type of landing is likely ahead for the economy and what's the potential market impact? In today's podcast, we're going to weigh in on the hotly debated question of whether the economy is heading for a soft landing, a hard landing, or no landing at all. 2023 started off with stunningly strong economic data. But leading up to that, the focus was whether the Fed's aggressive tightening of monetary policy, which was aimed at reining in inflation, would result in a soft or hard landing, with the latter leading to at least a moderate recession. Additionally, we're going to examine how the financial markets can be impacted under the different landing scenarios and what they're telling us now. This is Brian Kirk. And to talk through these different scenarios and their investment implications, we are pleased to have Nationwide Senior Vice President and Chief Economist, Kathy Bostancic. Joining Kathy is Nationwide's Head of Fixed Income, Brad Beeman. Hey, let's start with you, Kathy. I think our audience would like to hear more about those different landing scenarios and how they could conceptually play out. Which scenario is closest to our baseline view? And how do the others rank relative to our baseline? Well, thank you, Brian. And it is somewhat amusing that uh, we use these aviation terms to describe how the Federal Reserve is going to navigate this very elevated and persistent period of inflation and how they actually are going to cool the economy down. In other words, land this 20 trillion plus economy just so that we have what is termed a, a soft landing, meaning you avoid a, a recession and at the same time cooling things down just so that inflation trends back to 2% over time and that the unemployment rate doesn't rise dramatically. And so in other sense, really, it's, it's a Goldilocks scenario. And, and as you can imagine, looking back over time, it's been incredibly difficult for the Fed to navigate these so-called soft landings or the Goldilocks outcome. There's a lot of air turbulence, and, and it is a really big aircraft. It's, it's a large, largest economy in the world. And the Fed Reserve has really blunt tools. It, it has primarily short-term interest rates, which is the federal funds rate, to navigate things. Now, they, they can also rely on the balance sheet, which they're, they're using. Uh, they had quantitative easing when things were very weak, and now they're doing quantitative tightening. But the primary tool is adjusting short-term interest rates. And we've seen short-term interest rates rise dramatically. You know, it was it was a year ago when the Federal Reserve started to raise interest rates, which were close to zero at the zero lower bound. And now we're talking about, well, would the Fed funds rate need to go to 5%? We'll need to go to 6% to cool inflation. And I'll, I'll talk further about that, what we have seen most recently with inflation. But you can see there's a difficult, really difficult task. There's really been only two episodes you can really point to where they've been successful in, in navigating a, a soft landing, but it's never been uh, a period when it, when inflation was this high, they were able to to pull that off. And that's why, you know, recession talk or the, the hard landing has really been kind of the dominant view among, especially among economists and, and some market players, but it's really debated. And I would say up until, as you indicated, Brian, up until we got the stunningly strong January data, which was kicked off by 
over uh, half a million jobs created in, in January, um, strong consumer spending in nominal terms up 1.8%, and then inflation actually accelerated. Up until that point, the debate was really, well, would we have a soft or, or hard landing? And how hard would that landing be? But now what's come into the, the narrative is, well, maybe we'll have no landing at all. And then we, you know, we're approaching the runway, but now things are accelerating and 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 taking off. And in I, I, let me just start with the, the no landing view there is that I would say that in our opinion, a no landing just means a delayed soft or hard landing. So depending on your vantage point, if you think they can navigate things just so or whether we have a recession, it's just this no landing is a delayed form of 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 the soft or hard landing. In and I say that because and we see this in the price action in the markets, the Fed Reserve is just going to have to raise rates even higher than previously expected, higher than they previously thought, higher than than and most of us thought, and certainly the markets. And and most notably, they're going to raise interest rates to a, a elevated level. So over, you know, 5%, somewhere around probably 5.5%, and then hold it there. Um, and they could hold it at that level into 2020-24 if needed. And, and simply it's because both the economy and inflation are running too hot. GDP growth for the first quarter is lining up to be somewhere around, you know, between two and a half and three percent. And in the Fed Reserve would really like to see GDP growth be uh, below the long run potential growth rate, which is 1.8. So think about that. They want it to be less than 1.8 and it's running could even you know be around 2.8 or so for the quarter, and that comes after two prior third and fourth quarters that were again well above the potential growth rate. So what that does is it further strains resources, drives the unemployment rate lower, which it has dipped down to 3.4 percent, which is the lowest in peacetime keeping periods in the U.S. Keeps pressure upward pressure on wage growth, which in turn keeps pressure on companies to keep accelerating prices at a, at a pretty good clip to be able to cover the higher labor costs. And that's particularly true on the service side of the economy. So you, you could see the Federal Reserve wants to get that growth slower, wants to have a slower labor market to cool things off. And that's just not happening. And on the inflation side, what we've seen is their preferred consumer price data actually accelerated in January, so went the wrong way. Um, headline, uh, what we call PCE price index, accelerated from 5.3 to 5.4. Now, it was a slight uptick, but the, the issue is that it had been trending lower. The recent peak in, in January of, of 20, uh, June 2022 was 7%. So we had been trending gradually lower, and then we see this upturn. And that's true also when you look at the core measures, when you take out food and energy, and particularly the service side of the economy um, is really red hot now, right now. There's a lot of pent up demand to go to dine out, to to travel. And the demographic that's engaging that is really the upper income and, 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 and um, upper middle income households, which are seeing good earnings from the labor market, but also have a lot of pent up savings from the pandemic period. So core service um, inflation accelerated to 5.4% from 5.1%, and that just keeps going higher. We, we haven't even hit the peak yet on core services. 
Now, the Federal Reserve has suggested, and, and we agree with them, that you actually strip out housing from the core service measure. And the reason that makes sense is because housing inflation is measured by the um, by the PCE and also CPI data continues to, to soar higher. It's around 8%. But we know most recently rental price agreements, um, the inflation there has eased. And in some instances, you've even seen a decline in, in rents. <clears throat> so it makes sense knowing that rental prices and home prices are going to start to to trend lower to take out the housing um, so it doesn't skew the, the analysis. But even there, core services X housing accelerated. In our estimate, it was up half a percent in January. So it, it went from roughly 3.9 to 4.4. This is just simply too hot. And it is does not it's not consistent with getting inflation back to two percent. Now to, to round out the picture on inflation, core goods prices have decelerated quite sharply, and that's as we expect. As supply chains have um, uh, have uh, the the stresses there, the bottlenecks have been largely um, eased and, and corrected, and also consumers have shifted away from goods purchases that they uh, really engaged in heavily during the pandemic to more service. Um, consumption. So that's taking pressure, both demand and supply side on, on core goods. So we've seen core goods prices most recently slow below 3%. And the peak, and that's down from 7.6% in February of, of last year. So that that's working well. We're seeing this inflation, um, but it is the service side that is really problematic and sticky. And that's why, you know, kind of coming back to this no landing scenario, the Fed is just going to have to hit the brakes even harder. And that means a bumpier landing probably, you know, leads more to hard landing. So where do we see things? You know, our view remains that we have what we call moderate hard landing. And we think it unfolds in the second half of 2023, could last into early 2024. Um, However, because the data have been coming in so much stronger, at least for January, and we really need to turn our attention to February to see if this persists, the February data. But it could be the timing of the downturn of the hard landing is pushed back a little bit. Maybe we have a little more runway here before the landing. And, and, and as part of that, you, we think that the Fed is going to have to raise rates again, at least to, to, to about five and a half percent. And when I say a moderate hard landing, peak to trough, we see a contraction of GDP growth of 1.6%. If you take out the great financial crisis and the COVID recession, which were really outliers, post-World War II, the average downturn in the economy was 2%. So still a, a hard landing, but not quite the average downturn. That said, we would still see, in our view, the, the unemployment rate rises um, to full percentage points. And that's really, again, to cool down the labor market, cool down inflation. Well, thanks, Kathy. I'm curious about what landing scenario the bond market and equity markets are pricing in, and if they're in sync. And what are they pricing in terms of Fed tightening? And what about the prospects for inflation in the near, medium, and long term? For this, Brad, let's turn to you. As we all return our trade tables and seat backs to their upright positions, what are your views for the future path of rates, corporate bond spreads, and equity markets? Yeah, thanks for that introduction. And uh, Kathy, thanks for that great takeaway on what's going on in the economy. And I think I'll just add to it a little bit here that I think we've been a little bit on this roller coaster ride where last year we were 
really nervous about kind of okay early on really nervous for the bulk of the year about what's going on with the future economy the fed expectations and i think you know we got a little bit of life towards the end of the year people thought things are looking a little bit better you know a little bit more resilient economy i think our internal economists uh, in addition to kathy was somebody on our team always calls this the this phase the long goodbye which I always find is an interesting way to way to frame it. So we got a little resiliency here. And then throw on the fact that, you know, China shifted gears on the COVID policies, right? So we're getting a little bit of a, a kick, at least sentiment-wise and, and economic-wise from China. We're getting a kick from a, a, a less bad scenario in Europe. And we're seeing the consumer be stronger than we would expect it. So what's the market do, right? The market takes that less, I'll, I'll just call it a less dire scenario, and we rally, right? And spreads have rallied a lot. You know, we've seen meaningful movements in corporate spreads, high yield spreads, you know, structured asset spreads, equity markets had came back a lot. We're giving a little bit back here in February. You know, as that narrative was playing out in the beginning of the year and that type of market was not pricing in a pending recession. Everybody was quickly shifting to the soft landing, no landing. And I completely agree with Kathy that, you know, I'll call it a delayed landing or a delayed landing with a with a harder. We might break the landing gear on landing if this keeps going and the Fed's got raised more from that standpoint. So there's definitely a tone in the market that came in in January that was really good. People were people were trying to grab anything that wasn't stapled down. For the most part, we've started to see a reversal of some of that. You know, our internal thought process is spreads are still too tight. Uh, they're still not reflecting the coming risk in the economy, the coming risk in earnings, uh, and specifically some asset classes. Now, with all that said, like even though the economy looks like it's taken a little turn up here, and the inf- correspondingly, the inflation data has taken a little turn up as well, which is not what the Fed wants to see. I would say, you know, setting aside the job market, which we haven't seen, tended to see a lot of cracks in so far, you know, the there are some small cracks starting to develop that we're seeing. So, for example, you know, some some things in CMBS, we're starting to see there's been a lot of headlines on the tape about, you know, certain properties, commercial properties defaulting. We're seeing a little bit of, you know, some stress on the consumer in the subprime space, in the structured area. We're seeing a little bit of pressure on the lower quality levered finance space as it relates to particularly those securities that have floating rate debt structures. Remember, I mean, they've been financing their balance sheet at substantial leverage for, you know, very low rates and most of that is not hedged. And they are now having to pay a cost of capital that they did not plan on paying. So definitely impacting free cash flow. And we haven't seen the real recession 
risks there. So I think on the spread product, again, we're very cautious. We think you have to be using this opportunity of strength to continue to if you're not properly positioned, reduce risk. If you're properly positioned, you know, just kind of take what the market gives you here, realizing this could be temporary in nature. And if we are correct, we're going to be moving to wider spreads. I think the flip side on the rates market is post these early economic uh, inflation numbers that came out in February, the 10-year rate had rallied a lot. You know, we had gotten into, I think the lows late last year have been through, you know, had a three, four handle. You know, today we are breaching 4%. We breached it yesterday. We're even more so today. We've seen a big backup on the front end. I think the Fed funds futures are now pretty close to pricing in three more rate rises. I think in January, the discussion was, hey, they may go one more time and be done. Like that, that is that is pivoted very quickly, and you're now seeing Fed funds futures that were planning to be peaking in kind of that July time frame are now pushed out to September, and honestly, pretty dang close to November. So the narrative in the market has been shifting around a lot, and the the latest shift here, I think, is back to a market that may be, unlike spread product on the rate market, getting a little closer to, to where it needs to be, i.e. more of it priced in than what is going on in the, in the spread asset classes. And realizing the Fed is going to be persistent, in our opinion, the Fed is going to be per- persistent and they're not going to let off the brake too quickly here. So So I think the narrative is changing and I think that Narrative means, you know, the the analogy I always use related to this is, listen, if you're driving your car down the highway and the speed limit's 75 and it's sunny and it's in the middle of the summer, no problem, right? But if you're in the winter and the road's really icy, like really icy, or the ecosystem or the environment or whatever is, is creating dangers there, you have to be cautious, and I think that's where we're at today. And I think you throw on top of that very significant tightening and valuations that on the margin appear to feel very rich to us with the thought process we're going into into a recessionary environment down the road that you just have to play a little bit more defense here than offense. Thanks, Brad. That's a great analogy, too about uh, driving on roads like that, certain kind of weather or conditions, you know, given the high uncertainty surrounding the economic and inflation outlook, I know we're going to be watching things closely to determine, you know, if acceleration in economic activity and inflation we saw in January persists or if it starts to cool down a little bit. Kathy, as we watch this, what data will you be watching and how do you think the Fed's going to react? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Good questions. And, you know, I guess to build on Brad's comments and and just to highlight, yeah, we are really in a very uncertain period right now. You know, I guess this entire cycle has been very unusual uh, because the the overhang and uh, continued shadow from from the COVID, you know, pandemic and its impact. 
So, you know, what will we be watching for um, to see if that unusual strength in January persists? Well, you know, first off, it, it will be the employment report um, and it will come out a little later um, this month. It's, it's later for March 10th. That's what really kicked things off, as, as Brad said, and really changed the narrative and, and the views on the Federal Reserve. And, you know, when you have job gains of over, you know, it was 517,000, it's hard to, to, first of all, it's hard to, to continue to see that without the unemployment rate dropping sharply lower or maybe getting a, a large rebound in, in labor supply or the labor participation rate. And we're not really anticipating that. We could get some further increase, but... It could be that warmer weather and some seasonal maladjustment inflated some of the January data. Um, So that's why everyone's really going to be looking towards the February data. So employment on March 10th, the CPI inflation data on on March 14th, Uh, March 15th, we'll get the producer price data. So that also came in hot uh, for January. So our wholesale prices um, continuing to run at a fast pace or do they cool? And then retail sales will come out on March 15th. All three of those were very strong in the month of of January. And it really stems back to employment because we saw very big gain in employment, but also the average work week extended three-tenths of an hour. That's pretty meaningful. That means everybody working is working even more hours. And we we saw some moderation in wage gains, but they were still up three-tenths on the month. So what that did is gave us a real big pop in um, personal income, which fed into the 3% gain in retail sales and and 1.8 in consumer spending. I think within the data, particularly on inflation, we'll be looking at the breakdown again between goods and services and then the services X housing. Now, the good side, we count on continued disinflation, but I have to say, as Brad knows, we, we got the February ISM manufacturing survey yesterday, the overall index showed manufacturing still in contraction. So that helps to support that this idea that the economy is not all of a sudden reaccelerating across the board. Uh, but most importantly and, and concerningly, the prices paid index increased um, and, and it, it increased above 50, which is sort of the difference between boom and bust in, in that survey. And that came on the heels of a Chinese purchasing managers uh, reading that really soared uh, for the for the month of of January. And as Brad mentioned earlier, China's reopened, right? It abandoned its zero COVID policy, so that could actually cause a little problem on the goods inflation side. We've been counting on for continued disinflation. Maybe we need to be careful there uh, as well. Um, maybe we're going to see some stabilization or so, slight, even a slight uptick of commodity prices or are increasing because of increased demand coming from China. The other thing I would say is this is all going to precede um, the March 22nd FOMC meeting, which is going to be closely watched and anticipated for many reasons. One, first, does the Federal Reserve feel the need to um, increase the size of the rate, increases back to 50 basis points. They had pull that back to 25 basis points, trend it lower. You know, they had done four in a row meetings, 75 basis points, uh, pulled it back to 50 and then 25 in January. Um, do they see the need to, to increase that again if, if things are still running too hot in terms of GDP and inflation? And then on top of that, we'll get their updated GDP, their inflation and their interest rate dot plot estimates. So that's all going to be very interesting um, 
on, on March 22nd. So there's a lot here as we kind of go into the month that is known for March Madness. Uh, maybe the madness will be for other reasons. So I think, as you said earlier, I think we have to sit straight and, and kind of buckle in uh, for some turbulence here in, in the next couple of weeks. Well, thanks, Kathy, for that. Appreciate that. Brad, how about you? Uh, what key market metrics will you be watching closely? And what can they tell us about the path of rates, risk assets, and the timing of a prospective recession? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a lot of what Kathy said, right? Like looking at what's going on in the labor market that's coming up relatively soon here, looking what's going on in some of the core inflation data that's coming out. You know, be really key metrics on the on the economic side. On, more on the economic side, and one of the interesting pieces for for those listeners out here that they can do is that that we look at is we take previous recessions and we mark those, right? And then we look back twenty four months at the indicator and look forward twenty four months. So you can do this for non-farm payrolls or U3 or U6 or LEI or ISM, you know, and then for this period, we took a guess, uh, our base case on kind of where we thought the recession would be, hence we're so many months away, right? So we're, we have some data to map against this. Tell you, there's a lot of indicators, you know, that we're looking at that just if you looked at the lines and didn't know what was going on, you'd say we're going, we are definitely moving towards a recession. So for again, for those listeners that have a little bit of time and you know put together some charts, it's really an awesome way to gain perspective without being influenced emotionally influenced on what you may feel is going on in the current environment. And the, another thing on employment, right? Like you know, at best, that's usually a coincidental indicator, right? And, you know, they, there's a lot of balance sheet strength on the employers and some corporations. And again, that could make this this runway period before we hit it a little longer. But I don't think it changes the outcome, right? I think we're going to the same destination. On the market side, with, you know, looking at like risk asset spreads, you know, we'll be looking at the riskier asset classes like high yield, seeing what spreads are doing there. Um, some of those are usually the ones we get some warning signs earlier. We'll be looking on the structured side, seeing if we see cracks in the, let's say continued cracks in subprime consumers, the auto loan space, some of those other critical areas, the real estate component, which is a relatively large market. So. You know, I think all of that up in above is going to be really important. And um, again, we would just echo a, you know, going forward in spite of the rhetoric, we're getting a little economic bounce in here. We would internally just echo a cautious tone on the market and risk assets in general. Well, thanks, Brad. And thank you, Kathy. Also appreciate that. It's been a great discussion on the different economic scenarios. And you both mentioned how closely we're going to be watching employment data, which is actually something our next episode is going to talk about. So join us for that. And then later on in March, we're going to provide our reaction to the upcoming FOMC meeting. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when each episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. 
The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.